princesses, and inquisitive investigators, and welcome to episode 38 of A Bookish Affair, where we two Shannons will be your fellow travelers through the world of happily ever after. I'm Shannon, she's Shandy, and we love romance. We are the co-founders of the Lake Oswego Public Library's Romance Book Club, A Bookish Affair. We read and discuss diverse, inclusive love stories every second Sunday of the month at the library when it's possible and on Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you're interested in joining a virtual discussion group, group, (laughs) if you have feedback for us or suggestions for the club or podcast, or you just want to say, hey, check the show notes for our emails and the link to our bookish affair page on lopl.org. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territory of the Kalapuya, Cowlitz, Multnomah, Clackamas peoples, and all other unnamed tribes on which we live, work, and record this podcast with gratitude. So, Shandy, the Oregon Senate approved a bill to make Juneteenth an official state holiday. It has gone to Governor Brown to sign. So I know... We're really big in the segues, and I thought this would be a good place to jump off from. Uh, how about that segue? Uh, do you want to dive right in? I think that we should cannonball right in, and the, and you're right, that was an, an excellent segue. <laughs> and at some point, either in this episode or maybe in next week's episode, I want to talk about the uh, the Juneteenth foods that we are making for Cook the Books your cookbook uh, group that you have with our coworker, Alicia. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before. The theme for next Tuesday is Juneteenth foods. And we have been talking, you you told me yesterday you had it narrowed down to four possibilities. So So let's just say there's a wealth of recipes to choose from. So I say in our next episode, we we let the people know what we made. Um, Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and and honestly, if you want to join us for that Juneteenth um, celebration of Cook the Books, it will be on June 15th at four o'clock. Contact myself or my colleague Alicia to register. Yeah. It's going to be a really fun, uh, it's going to be a really fun meeting, I think. Yeah. I, think I can't so. wait to see what people make. All right. So continuing like this, this still, we're still in Segway town. So here we go. <laughs> so, so a year ago this month, it's kind of hard to believe that a year has gone by, uh, you know, in the middle of what would become a historic uprising for racial justice, which itself happened in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. We did a podcast episode all about black voices in romance about supporting Black authors by buying and library requesting. That's actually kind of hard to say. <laughs> library requesting uh, and reading and talking about their books and choosing those books as book club picks and telling friends about those books and authors, posting on Instagram, essentially pointing toward and lifting up and listening to historically marginalized voices. We've talked a lot here about how listening to people's stories leads us to empathy, which leads us down the path of being actively anti-racist. And is reading the only thing we can do? We've discussed this a lot as well. Definitely not. But we did talk about it as a great place to start, especially if you're not sure where to start on that journey. And that's really what we challenge 
ourselves to do to take those steps and then and sort of you know and and then ta- and then take further steps. So we thought it might be time with Juneteenth approaching to revisit that pledge that we made to ourselves and to our listeners and to talk a little bit about how our reading has changed this past year. Absolutely. I mean, I kind of feel like we've talked about this, you know, throughout this past year, just like, you know, every now and again, we (laughs) we, we tend to revisit this. (laughs) Maybe just a little, which of course was absolutely our goal. (laughs) It is. And in trying to, you know, think, think about how I wanted to talk about this, trying to collect my thoughts, you know, of the past year, it feels like I've been chasing rabbits, really. Like, I think the big thing that this past year has done is made me really reading choices, very intentional about what I read, about which stories I consume, what I talk about, and what I want to share, really. It also makes me very aware of how privileged I am as a white woman uh, in that if we're using the metaphor of windows and mirrors, I have access to so many mirrors. Like my image is reflected back to me in so many different ways. It gets quite frustrating actually over time. I'm tired of looking at my reflection over and over. So it's been really incredible to read other stories, to read and explore their love stories, people, cultures, communities as a whole. It's it's wonderful to see non-white and, you know, neurodivergent stories, just th- these love, th- these, these people and this love being celebrated and cherished. And I really, really like that. On the flip side, I also notice that I feel a certain amount of tension For example, if I'm reading Beverly Jenkins, because so many of her stories take place during Reconstruction, and for me, there's always this threat lingering in my mind because of how history has turned out. So I have a hard time relinquishing America's history long enough to get stories because we're still so deep in this reckoning. Like, it really wasn't that far ago, like that far in the past, like, it's, it's still very present, you know? Yeah, I felt this very keenly while uh, I, I just finished Bethany C. Morrow's um, upcoming Little Women remix. It's called So Many Beginnings. And uh, it's it, re- it imagines the March sisters as uh, young Black women in, you know, in, in the immediate, like, while, while the Civil War is still going on and they are on the um, the Freed People's Colony of Roanoke Island. And it's just a really wonderful book. I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But, you know, these young women are, are in the middle of this struggle. They're they're no longer enslaved, but they're not yet being as treat they're not yet being treated as free whole people. And so much of what they're experiencing has its analogs in the experiences of of that that black people are still having in today's America. And and so it's it's a wonderful book. It was a, a beautiful read. I loved reading it. It was really thought provoking. But there were also a lot of moments where I thought, well, this is this is very distressing because because I'm seeing these, um, you know, these analogs are are very very clear. But here's the thing. I think the other thing that I've noticed is that the national conversation has shifted. Yes, there is still a conversation happening, but it's way less prominent, way less loud than it was a year ago. 
So I want to make sure that it doesn't go away. I want to make sure that we're still very conscious about who we're reading, about what stories we're consuming, authors we're reading buy and buying from BIPOC owned establishments. You know, it's like, this is very important to me, to us, to keep this conversation present and ongoing. I was listening to Heather McGee's The Sum of Us, and she really makes clear that the price both white people and black people pay to uphold a white supremacist system is staggering. Equity and equality in the long run is cheaper and more economical than maintaining a racist power structure. Every person in this country, no matter race, religion, social status, class, or wealth, is is losing so much just to maintain this current system. So, you know, again, I tie everything back to romance. Uh, through romance, we will, I, I should speak for myself, I will, but like, we will, strive to keep this conversation at the fore and to prioritize it. You can speak for me anytime. <laughs> And that's fascinating. I have not read that book, but that sounds really, really interesting. And I think, you know, we've, we've said so many times on this podcast, racism is bad for everyone. And this seems like it's a very uh, clear and, and concrete example and striking example of that. Um, you know, I, you're absolutely right. I, I don't want the volume turned down on this conversation. So we're just going to keep talking real, real loud and a lot about smoochie books. <laughs> what we do <laughs> hashtag read more romance <laughs> exactly <laughs> so shannon you talked a little bit about beverly jenkins who's obviously sort of been a mainstay of our reading lives this last year or so who are some of the other black authors who have captured your heart and your imagination this year you know honestly i feel like a lot of the authors i've read and learned about this past year have come from you. Uh, seriously, I feel like I'm very much the new kid on the block here and will absolutely do a deep dive when I like something, but by no means am I ahead of the curve or discovering new talent or anything. I have come to the come to terms with the fact that I am not a trendsetter and that is okay. But so the authors I'll mention here are established and have incredible bibliographies. Some of my favorites are, and I'm not including a bookish affairs hall of famers here, like Alyssa Cole, Talia Hibbert, Beverly Jenkins, or Rebecca Weatherspoon, but they're definitely, that you should just like assume that they're on this list. <laughs> um, so some new favorites include Farrah Rashawn, uh, who wrote The Boyfriend Project and the forthcoming The Dating Playbook which I'm super excited about. Um, Office Hours by Katrina Jackson. I know you'll talk more about her. Uh, seriously, dude, spicy. Super spicy. Spicy, wow. <laughs> um, Mimi Grace's Along for the Ride and Making a Scene. We've talked about Cherish Reed, who's made our punny title list with her delightful uh, books, The Right to Escape and Trust Falling for You. Uh, 
Piper Hughley's Milford College Series. Um, and I mean, I think reading the Decade Series has really opened up a lot of new um, authors for me, like Kiana Alexander's Love Sweet Melody, book five. Um, so Cheryl Lister with her phenomenal, I know that we talked about this like to no end. We loved Love Serenade, um, which is book three in the Decade series. Also, I've been reading uh, Jasmine uh, Severa, um, Binding Shadows. There's a little librarian twist in there. Um, so I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but those are some highlights for me. How about you, Shandy? Which authors have won your love and affections? Well, one thing that I really went all in on this year was really trying to support Black authors who either self-publish or publish with, you know, teeny tiny independent presses by actually just buying their books. You know, time was, if I couldn't get a book from the library, odds were that I wasn't going to read it. And I finally decided that one small way that I could show my strong feelings on the topic of racial justice and my support for Black authors was just kind of a no-brainer. I actually just had to start buying books. Um, you know, indie and self-published authors are awesome in so many ways. And we've talked about this a lot. They're often incredibly prolific. Many of those authors write tons and tons of novellas, which is great for me because I love to read a lot of different books. Um, and, and, you know, best of all, they get to write whatever the heck they want because they don't have folks looking over their shoulders saying, eh, I don't think this one is going to sell or this book needs to be longer or any of those things. Um, Christina C. Jones, I think, is sort of the epitome of what I love about indie romance. She has what seems like 9,000 novellas and novelettes and short stories out there, although she has longer ones too. You know, and because they're short, they're affordable. And because they're affordable, I can buy a lot of them. And I do. <laughs> she is really very successful and wildly just beloved. And she can write the stories she wants to write, which celebrate Black communities and families and small businesses. And of course, people falling in love. And she's also just laugh out loud funny. So on so many levels, she is such a joy to read. And hands down, getting into her work has been one of the best reading decisions I've made this year. You know, same with Katrina Jackson, whom you may remember me raving about, about, uh, you know, about a year ago as we sort of got into this project. And, um, you know, and now that I'm looking back at my Goodreads, which, you know, thank all, all the deities for the Goodreads, because otherwise I wouldn't even remember what I read last week, much less last summer. Uh, you know, so many of the Black authors I read and love this year are, are indie authors, are self-published. You know, you've got Lucy Eden with Blind Date with a Book Boyfriend, which was such a good book. Uh, Chensia C. Higgins, Mika James, more about those two in a minute. Uh, Danielle Allen uh, has a great book called Truth or Dare. Hilarious. Really loved it. Um, Mimi Grace, whom you just mentioned. Nicole Falls with her New Beginnings series. Rebel Carter with her Gold Sky series, Savannah J. Frierson, Be Mine and All Mine, loved those ones, Kenya Garee Bell with Rapper's Delight and Lotus Flower Bomb, Kennedy Ryan with Queen Move and the upcoming Reel, 
Rilsey Adams, um, Go Deep, The 12 Dates of Christmas, Love in the Time of Corona, Tasha L. Harrison with her awesome small town romances like Liquor and Laundry. The question is, how do we get more independently published or self-published books into the hands of folks who primarily get their books from the library? And I think that's a tougher nut to crack. It is because, you know, like I discovered... Um, Kay Shani's um, Roll Bounce Love, I think through Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, very, um, that was a self-published one. Um, so you find these reviews in other places, whereas like librarians typically rely on reviews um, in professional journals and self-published authors and titles actually rare, very rarely make it into these professional journals. Occasionally there's a spotlight, but it's not very consistent. So we don't always have access to those titles or we may not be looking for it, or maybe we don't know what to look for. So we definitely miss a lot of, um, a lot of titles and a lot of authors. And certainly, that I'm privy to, this is an ongoing conversation amongst the selectors and people who order for our various collections. So I advise that when it comes to self-published authors, if a title is in print, it's a good idea to request it rather than hope for it to show up. Because again, we may not have um, knowledge of its existence. And truly, each library has their own criteria for selecting and ordering. So just because you request it, the selector may not choose to order it. But I will say, as a selector, uh, the, there's so many selectors in one sentence. Uh, <laughs> I always appreciate suggestions and recommendations. So it's it's what I'm saying is is absolutely worth putting it out there. A, the person ordering may or may not order it but you've got to put it out there. So basically you've just opened the door to getting even more emails from me than you already do. <laughs> no, and frankly, I don't get enough. So seriously, folks, I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> All right, everyone, you heard it here. Let's blow up Shannon's inbox with library suggestions. And may I also say, I have always thought that selector sounds like a really big shot title. <laughs> Not being a selector myself, it, it sounds very. <laughs> it is not. It's just I can't think of another term for it other than that's, person ordering. No, that's but that's what you are. You guys, you you folks are the selectors, um, and I. Oh, someday I aspire. <laughs> big shots is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Hot <laughs> shots. Hot shots. <laughs> library guide. Oh, and I also, you know, this also begs the question, so how can we, how can we take the next step and start choosing some indie authors for our book club picks, which is something that you and I have thought and talked about a lot. We're actually running into this a bit with Meet Q Club, honestly. The library has one physical copy and I have loaned my personal copy to at least two book club members so far. And I think you're loaning yours out this week so that someone else can finish it before our meeting. So you know, it's not just woohoo, victory. We got one copy of a self-pub romance on our shelves, which to be clear is a victory. <laughs> but how can we get enough copies to make sure that we pick something for book club 
without forcing people to purchase the book, which you can't do. No, and I don't think it's okay for a personal book club. In fact, I'm that annoying person in the other sort of personal book club that I'm in. I'm that annoying person who makes a point of not reading. If, if the book club pick is only is something that I would have to buy, I don't read it. I only I only read it if I can get it from the library. But it's it's unacceptable for a library book club. We need to have that access. And so that really affects what we can choose. Yeah. I daydream all the time about writing a grant to have a, a magical slush fund that helps book club members purchase ebooks so that we could choose someone like, like Christina C. Jones or Katrina Jackson. I mean, right now it's a daydream because A, I have no idea if that's even a thing and B, I certainly have no idea how to write a grant. <laughs> but, but I feel like it would be very much in line with our mission as a club, not only reading diverse and inclusive love stories, but helping point people toward authors they might not otherwise be reading because they're less likely likely to be found on library shelves. I mean, this idea is definitely worth exploring. So I might, might start doing some research around this. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a conversation. I think anyone who hosts a library book club, it's like there's the books that you want to choose versus the books that is reasonable to choose because of the number in the system. Yeah, it's tough. I, you know, we're just, we're doing the best we can, but, um, but it is, it's a dance. So, (laughs) so, so, you know, sort of looking ahead to, uh, you know, to, to our next year of reading um, what's next for you, Shannon, you know, whose books do you want to prioritize this year? Like I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about some Harlequin category romance authors like Zuri Day, Yara St. John, Brenda Jackson. Um, I'm thinking about Farrah Rashan. Embarrassingly, I haven't read her yet, but fortunately, The Boyfriend Project is our August book. And Jasmine Guillory, for heck's sake. She's she's one of the authors who inspired us to start this club in the first place. And I haven't read her yet, and I feel very embarrassed about that. But it's also, you know, so fortunately also we've got Royal Holiday coming up for our December book club pick. So, uh, you know, of course, the Decade series, of course, our ongoing love affair with with Beverly Jenkins books. Yeah, our ongoing reading challenges or I've started calling them projects really because the challenges are slowed down by yours truly. (laughs) Never. Honestly, honestly, you keep us at a reasonable pace. It's not actually reasonable to say things like, I'm going to finish a book every day for 40 days. And if I don't make it, I'm going to beat myself up about it. <laughs> that's, not actually, <laughs> that's not a way to live one's reading life. Um, so I think you're the one who keeps us reasonable. Um, you know, <laughs> I've also been thinking it might be time to update some of our resources, like our anti-racism resource list which you can find on the Bookish Affair page on LOPL.org. We also link to that in the show notes for every episode. You know, I've definitely learned about some organizations and some Black-owned bookstores since last June. So I think that could use a refresher. Yeah, I would say we both have learned quite a bit over the course of the past year. Like there, it's been such a learning curve, which has been truly humbling and also absolutely incredible. My mind is blown pretty much, if not every day, then every week. Um, 
So yeah, in addition to supporting self-published and independent authors, we've talked at length about the importance of supporting uh, BIPOC-owned bookstores or really any BIPOC-owned establishment. I just learned that um, the Lake Oswego Public Library is um, doing a three-part book discussion group in collaboration to racism. They recently did a book giveaway and all books were sourced through Third Eye Books accessories and gifts, which is a black owned bookstore in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you know, if there isn't a black owned bookstore where you live, the online bookstore bookshop.org allows you to search um, any bookstores uh, that allows you to support them. That's another way to show, you know, to, to show support to these establishments. I'm so excited to hear that. Rachel, Rachel is the librarian who's collaborating with Respond to Racism on these conversations, which I believe are called, I think the program as a whole is called Deepening Our Connections. Um, she is such a thoughtful person and librarian. And it does not surprise me at all that all of those folks uh, chose a Black-owned bookstore to source those books. Super cool. And there's actually still time to join in that conversation. You do need to register in advance. We'll put the link in the show notes but I believe that they meet um, shortly after our book club meeting gets over on Sunday at two o'clock on Sunday, the 13th. And the first book is Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. And um, I was able to find that on Scribd and uh, I did not unfortunately get my copy in the giveaway, um, but I was able to find it on Scribd. So I'm going to be working on that this weekend. And I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see the conversation continuing. We had, um, you know, our Lake Oswego Reads pick was Isabel Wilkerson's cast. There was so much good programming, a wonderful author talk, um, and just a really, really positive patron response to that, that book and, and, and the ideas that it brought to us. And I, you know, I expected nothing less, of course, but I'm very happy to see the library is still prioritizing and engaging with, um, you know, with anti-racism, with, you know, programming, collection development, resources, discussion groups. So, uh, you know, people, people are working very hard on that and it makes me very happy to see it. Yeah. High five to the management team and everyone working so hard to make yeah. things happen. You know, we talk about how that's, um, you know, that, that journey is never going to be over. There's no point at which we'll say, okay, we're, we're anti-racist enough, we're done. So since it's very much still Pride Month and since we've both spent a lot of our reading time exploring LGBTQ plus voices in black romance this year, we thought it would be fun to highlight a few. Um, there's a new Katrina Jackson out and I feel like that's just a sign from the universe. I think this one is actually if I'm not mistaken about an MF relationship, but you can't talk about LGBTQ plus voices without mentioning Katrina Jackson. I must reiterate once again, because I do feel like it's been a few months, um, my very, very deep love for the Welcome to Seaport series, as well as my fervent hope that the next book is not too far on the horizon because I need to know what's going on with everybody in Seaport. <laughs> There are four novellas in the series so far, um, two focusing on the polyamorous relationship between Mary, Knox, and Santos, and two focusing on other couples, one MF, one FF, 
Um, and then Mary Knox and Santos appear in those ones as well. Um, Katrina Jackson was one of the very first authors I read when we started down this path a year ago, and she just remains a constant favorite. Her new book, Back in the Day, is sort of a historical contemporary mix in which a father is telling his son the story of his own great romance decades ago. And I really liked what she did with the historical flashbacks in her paranormal romance, The Tenant, last Halloween. So I'm really excited to read this. Let's see who else. Rebel Carter has a new one out too, Pride and Passion. Um, confusingly, the same name as Carla Buchanan's entry from the Decades series, but very different books. Uh, this seems to be a theme here. This is an MF romance, but a lot of the rest of that series are um, MFM or FF. I And I have to admit, I'm immediately, I was just really drawn in immediately by these books covers. They're just very beautiful. There's only one that features just a man, which I'm sorry. I think that's the most boring kind of, I just want to see pretty dresses and I don't care about your muscles. <laughs> but the others are just ladies, ladies, ladies and beautiful outfits. So very much in my wheelhouse. Um, Chen C.S.C. Higgins is another indie author we've talked a bit about, especially recently. She um, She has a great ff romance called things hope for that i read last year and she also has an upcoming um, book with karina adores um, which is called devon and chris plan a wedding i talked about that last week still very excited about that <laughs> um mika james desert hookup desert rose hookups series is a really fun one too has a couple of ff novellas i read being mary a few months back that's kind of a christmas one and being hospitable is a best friend's younger sister. Uh, but <laughs> but again, I trust I I I trust certain authors, um, even even with my least favorite tropes. <laughs> so how about you, Shannon? Who who are some of your who are some of your LGBTQ plus voices you'd like to highlight? Well I know that we've talked a lot about our usual suspects, you know, like Adriana Herrera with like American Dream, um, Mangoes and Mistletoe. Alyssa Cole, you know, her latest, How to Find a Princess. Um, and then Talia Hibbert, you know, these authors do a great job representing some really memorable, lovely gay, lesbian, and bisexual characters. Some new ones for us this year have been Jack Harbin, whose Meet Cute Club is our June book selection. We'll be talking about it. And also Case and uh, Calendar, who wrote Felix Ever After which we recently revealed to be our September book selection. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel enough to have like, just like uh, to have queer love stories. Like we want to make sure our representation extends to trans and non-binary authors and love stories too. So I'm beyond grateful to see more and more that we have more inclusive celebrations of love. Yeah, I love I love pointing folks toward those ever more inclusive stories. And I'm very grateful to you for keeping the book club on that track. There were definitely times this year when when I just sort of like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do for September? Let's just pick something. And you reminded me it's really important to both of us to choose a book with a trans character this year. So thank you, Shannon, for keeping a bookish affair dedicated to its mission. Yeah, 
welcome. <laughs> okay, so folks, we are going to move on to our current and upcoming reads. But if we missed any of your favorite books or authors, as always, we would love to hear about it. Or, you know, we'd love to hear about anything else you have to say, pretty much. Um, okay, so let's see. I feel like my reading blahs are slowly dissipating and just in time because I have some really exciting books all by Black romance authors coming up on my TBR. Um, I just finished uh, So Many Beginnings by Bethany C. Morrow, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and that is, as I mentioned, a remix of Little Women featuring a Black family living in the freed people's colony on Roanoke, Roanoke Island during the Civil War. And this is a real colony and I had never heard of it. Moreover, in her author's note, Bethany Morrow reveals that neither she nor her husband, despite both having, you know, studied American history extensively, had studied it at any point. So when I saw that come up on NetGalley, I hit the request button so fast and then it took forever for them to approve my request. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it. And then I did. And then I just read it in these in these, in these great gulps. Little Women is one of my favorite books of all time, has been since I was probably nine years old. And I was so curious to see what Bethany Morrow would do with it. And it is, it is brilliant. It stands so beautifully and proudly um, just right next to, uh, right next to, to Louisa May Alcott's. There's this beautiful scene where Meg, the oldest March daughter, is trying to explain to her mother, Mammy, how she sort of feels caught between childhood and adulthood and she doesn't quite know who she is or where she's going. And Mammy says, you know, nobody has ever been through this exact experience before, making that transition from childhood to adulthood while also making the transition from, um, you know, from, from being enslaved to being free and the country transitioning from a place where the scourge of slavery exists to hopefully a more perfect union. And it's just full of moments like this. I love it. I love what she does with Beth's character. I'm really intrigued with her take on Joe and Lori. I love how much we get of the March parents in this book. I can't wait till Claire is old enough to read Little Women because I'm just, I'm just going to give her both books at once. Um, I, I'm just so excited about it. Okay, let's see what else. Um, I'm working on my arc of Sweet Tea by Piper Hughley. Really enjoying it. There is a lot of delicious food uh, being described in this book, and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I have to say I'm pretty excited about this title. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading Sweet Tea. Yeah, I think you're really, I think you're really going to like it. There are many, many biscuits and tomato sandwiches have been described. I would very much like to eat all of those things. Um, speaking of Piper Hughley, I scored a copy of Treasure of Gold, the out of print third book in the Migrations of the Heart series. And I am so stoked for it to arrive. Um, Kennedy Ryan's latest reel, that's R-E-E-L, like a film reel. That's about a Broadway star who ends up starring in an old Hollywood biopic um, that just came out and just appeared on my Kobo. So very excited about that. And of course, I need to make sure that I finish my reread of Meet Cute Club before our meeting on Sunday and that I read the Deepening Our Connections book before that meeting on Sunday. I got I got some reading to do. How about you, Shannon? <laughs> Dude, you're busy. I know. Um, 
I, I I have to admit, I'm not sure I'm going to get a reread of Meet Cute Club um, before our meeting as I, I lent it out. I lent it out before I realized, wait, I should probably take a look at that. So <laughs> it'll um, be fine. I just listened to Hanuk Khan carries on the latest by Usma Jalaladeen, which I loved. Both the story, which is timely and super sweet, and the narration were fantastic. And talk about some good food stuff featured. You, my friend, would really enjoy the descriptions of the biryani and the pakoras. Yes. I highly recommend it. I also just got my copy of Satisfaction Guaranteed by Karelia Stetswaters uh, in the mail the other day. Hashtag hometown pride. I also got my hold for Donna Hill's in B-flat, which is a romance set against the civil rights movement of 1963. So I have a lot of reading to do. Not as much as you, though. Um, I will say that once again, my TBR just grew while writing this episode. So <laughs> uh, the leaning tower of TBR. It's, it's, it's our goal. It's, it's what we do. <laughs> I have that Donna Hill book out right now too. Um, I think as an ebook, and I am really excited about that time period in historical romance in general, especially around the civil rights movement. Um, Pride and Passion by Carla Buchanan, which is number six in the Decade series, sort of just begins to touch on that, and is really interesting because the heroine is at first reluctant to get involved as things are sort of ramping up in the fifties. The next one in the Decade series, Promise Me a Dream by Wayne Jordan, looks like it's very much going to focus on the movement itself. You know, plus there's Alyssa Cole's Let It Shine from the Juneteenth Historical Romance Anthology and Haunted Serenade by Anna K. Taylor. See, I'm telling you, everything I learn about romance, I learn from you. <laughs> it's honestly one of the reasons why I jumped at this opportunity to work with you, uh, if truth be known. Uh you just know all the good stuff. <laughs> oh, blush. You are no slouch either, my friend. <laughs> oh, we all know that that's not true, but thank you. Mwah. <laughs> all right, friends. I think it's time to wind this one up. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Is Black romance part of your anti-racism growth? What Black romance have you been reading? Did we leave out any of your favorite authors? How's your Pride Month reading going? Please share with us. Uh, you can find our emails on the Bookish Affair page on LOPL.org. You can comment on an LOPL social media post or find Shandy on her bookstagram at Shandy B. Reads. And please, we would love to have you join us on June 13th at 11 a.m. for our virtual discussion of Meet Cute Club by Jack Harbin. It would be such a delight to see you there. Of course, we will, as always, recap in our next podcast episode. So if you want to hear your thoughts mentioned on this podcast, then you should come to that reading and tell us your thoughts. <laughs> now, if you like to read ahead, place your holds now on Island Affair by Priscilla Oliveras, which is our July book. And thanks so much for listening, everyone, and for coming along on our many wanderings. It's just such a delight to be on this journey with you.
Hi everyone, Claire's off this week too, so you're stuck with me again. For the latest details about library services, check the library's website at lopl.org. We're reopening for browsing and computer use on June 16th, and we can't wait to see you. We could not do this podcast without the help of quite a few awesome folks. We are grateful to Allison Arnold and Anya Woodhouse for being our rocks and our champions and for taking care of everyone in the library. Rick Lyons for giving us this crazy idea in the first place and making us believe we could do it. Carissa Barrett for general fabulousness and Chris Myers for good trouble. Kira Taylor for cheerfully acquiring just about anything we ask her to. Noelle Elson, Amy Grimes, and Todd Mecklem for answering all of our emails and making us look good on social media. Special thanks to Noelle, Jill, and Steve for always listening to the end. Everyone at LOPL has provided so much encouragement and support. Evie is our biggest cheerleader, and we hope all podcasters have a super fan like her. Claire D. usually does our credits and corrections. Thanks to Justin and Joe, our very own romance heroes. You may not be selectors, but we admire you nonetheless. And thanks most of all to our book club members and podcast listeners who keep us inspired and always searching for the next happily ever after. Thank you.